it's not easy to create a new industry from scratch, uh, which is essentially what we're having to do now in the U.S. with hemp. And um, it's it's a really difficult juggling act to uh, balance um, production in terms of acres and, and farmers and, and farms and all the equipment they need and, and get the right genetics for them for the, the, the end, end use, whatever that customer is going to want uh, in terms of the specifications of the material. Balance that with um, with regulatory issues. Uh, you know, zero Hey guys, it's Mandy with the Global Hemp Association. I wanted to say thank you very, very much for joining. I'm really excited to have you, to have an opportunity to meet so many people. Again, if you like our content and like what we're producing, please like, share, comment, subscribe. You'll meet so many amazing people with all of the interviews that we've done. They're available on our YouTube channel and on Patreon. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to ha introduce you to everybody. Um, these will be recorded and shared. We share all of our content on YouTube. And so that's pretty exciting um, to just kind of educate and have a one-stop shop. Um, I'm excited to highlight everything you've been doing or that you had done <laughs> up until where you're at now. Um, and then hear about what your journey looks like moving forward. So it's pretty casual. But okay. um, I'm very curious about hemp history and what you think people should know and yeah, sharing some knowledge. So if you wouldn't mind giving an introduction to kind of who you are and what you do. Okay. Uh, sure. I'm, uh, I'm Richard Rose. I, uh, I do as little as possible, but I end up doing quite a bit anyway. Um, I uh, started making tofu in 1980. Uh, and, um, and then in 1994, I pivoted to hemp seed. Um, we got on the Inc. 500 back in 93 and, and uh, stuff like that. So um, when I realized hemp seed was uh, as nutritious, even more so than, um, than soybean, what I had been using since eight, 1980, making all kinds of foods, um, uh, I pivoted and started using that um, and then uh, did uh, a burger, a cheese, uh, and then introduced, uh, you know, Hemprella, Hemp A Burger was the, the, the two products in 94. And then in 96, uh, I had been trying to shell, take off the, the outer coat of the hemp seed because uh, it would increase the nutrition and it would be a lot more palatable. And uh, in Germany, I find a, found a company who beat me to it. So I started importing that and uh, branding. I was the first one to... Uh, uh, launch it in a, in a big way in, uh, in uh, uh, North America. And then I branded it Hemp Nut. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, the, you call it today Hemp Hearts, but before that, everybody called it Hemp Nut. And uh, it was considered uh, so generic that two trade associations wanted to trademark to it. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, so I just it been, you know, I had this uh, international distribution sales network and uh, co-packing network. So I set up uh, a global supply chain, buying whole seed certified organic in China, shelling it in Germany and then selling it in North America, coast to coast in the U.S. and Canada. Um, we had this uh, distribution sales network for the, the tofu cheese, uh, tofurella. Uh, the cheese alternatives that uh, 
I had since uh, 86. And, um, and so we had access to every supermarket in, uh, in um, Canada and the US in all the supermarket chains. And so uh, we just plugged all those hemp products into that and got uh, really quick distribution um, uh, throughout the continent and uh, coast to coast. So a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, even supermarkets carried it uh, and Whole Foods didn't. They said it was a political statement, but the Travis Air Force Base PX, the supermarket did in fact carry it. So um, it, uh, it, was sort, it was the first international uh, um, perishable and frozen hemp foods and uh, first to really go nationwide. And from that, we uh, did the biggest uh, PR campaign uh, for hemp had had by that time spent six figures, I don't remember the exact amount now, over a year or two and um, thousands of newspaper articles and, and uh, hundreds of uh, local TV and, and radio stations, um, uh, Man Cow, uh, uh, Ted Nugent, um, uh, Supermarket Guru, a whole bunch of them. And, uh, and then I ended up being on the Roseanne show, the afternoon talk show she had on CBS. Yeah. And we uh, made a hemp potato salad for us uh, and talked about hemp for seven minutes both dressed head to toe in uh, in hemp clothes and shoes and our aprons and everything and she was real into it so uh, she you know fed me softball questions that uh, you know why, why is hemp so good things like that so it was uh, it was the to this day the biggest audience uh, for hemp foods uh, in the U.S. Awesome. on tv very cool Okay, so talk to me about the nutritious facts of hemp, right? When we talk about, I've heard rumor that, you know, ounce for ounce, hemp compares to red meat in protein. And um, can you break this down for me? What, what, what is the truth about the protein value or, or the omegas and the fatty acids and everything you keep yeah. hearing? Yeah, it's a good question. So, so um, it's, 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 it's higher in protein than beef. Okay. Than meat. It's higher in omega-3 than fish, um, like considerably higher. And uh, okay. so the shelled seed is about one third protein and about one third essential fatty acids, uh, omega-3 and omega-6, um, three to one ratio of six to three. And, and uh, so it has about 10%, a little more, maybe 11 of omega-3, which is why people take flax oil and fish oils and the like. Um, unlike soy, it's edible raw and it tastes good. It tastes like pine nuts or, or sunflower seed raw. So, um, it, it, soy has to be processed. Uh, it's inedible raw really. And it has anti-nutritional factors, most of which hemp seed does not have. Um, and, uh, most of my work in, in soy for those 14 years was, in masking the flavor of soy in a, in a food. And with hemp seed, it not only doesn't need to be masked, but it, uh, it, uh, it improves the flavor. It adds to the, uh, the savory quality to it. Uh, everything we used it in was actually improved by using the shelled hemp seed. Um, you know, even ice cream and, and, and uh, you know, the burger, um, because it was mostly tempeh, the hempeh burger, 
Um, it had a uh, FDA late legal health claim for uh, reducing the risk of uh, heart disease on it. Mm -hmm. So it was the first and only hemp food with an FDA legal uh, health claim and, and a couple of uh, other products, the, um, the oil and I think the chips had uh, structure function claims, uh, which is something you can make. Um, I think it went along the lines of uh, omega-3 helps support a healthy immune uh, um, lung and uh, heart function. This product contains X amount of X milligrams of sure. omega-3. So, um, so people should be paying attention, right? Where's, I mean, yeah. So tell me real quick, where, where do you think the holdup is to bring it into mainstream? Why aren't we seeing more of it? You've been, you've been in this for a long time and had products on the shelf, but what's been the slow adoption? Well, we, you know, that we, we made a lot of progress really fast in the late 90s and uh, 2000, 2001, um, arguably too fast for some to be comfortable. Uh, that's about the time the former director of the CIA entered the industry as a, as a lobbyist and other people, um, you know, the suits as I call them. And uh, we, we put to bed the, uh, the, the consumer fear of THC in our foods pretty quickly with a zero THC uh, policy. And it was a, a little THC with a slash on it, on the package and everything, because that was always everyone's first question. Well, like, will this get me high? And um, it was always the first question of every investor. Is this legal, you know, to DEA? So um, we were making really a lot of progress and, um, and then uh, the HIA, the fiber group, sued uh, DEA for legalizing 98% of the uh, hemp industry. And I had the, the biggest burden of compliance, but I, I had no problem with their new rule. It clarified what I, the same basis I had been operating on for years sure. anyway. So it was no, no big news. Uh, the market died and... Um, and uh, it took for about two and a half years and surprise when you sued DEA in a big public nasty fight to be allowed THC in your foods. Funny people think there's THC in your foods now. So um, it's, it's a top of mind again, uh, it was a long time ago, we got rid of it, now it's back. And the other problem today is that uh, medibles, uh, marijuana edibles are huge. And just in Colorado alone, they sell far more uh, than they do of all hemp foods imported into the U.S. So um, it, it, it now this whole idea of is this going to get me high is even more on top of mind of, of consumers. All that coupled with um, a price that's way too high. It, it I, I was selling it for my cost of production was about $1.40 for certified organic shelled hemp seed. And that was below the Canadian's cost of production for non-organic. Uh, I was selling it for lower than they could even make it. Uh, and mine was organic and theirs wasn't. So I know that the price should be considerably less than it, it is today. In fact, when they started selling to South Korea in uh, what, 2015, 16, uh, South Koreans were paying half of what North Americans pay for the same material. So I know that the price 
there's a lot of room there, huge margins right now, little, uh, little head to head competition. Mm-hmm. And um, once that comes down, I, I mean, my goal was to dis- disrupt 15% of the uh, US food soya industry, which would give us about a million acres uh, just for seed. And to do that, I, I knew I needed to get the cost of goods down uh, closer okay. to $1 to, to try to pull that off. Okay, so are you currently working on that project right now? No, I, uh, so when the hemp food market died for two and a half years in 2001, it started, um, I had just sold Rella, the Toferella yeah. company, and yeah. for 3.7 million. So okay. I, uh, I was already gung-ho to like surf that tsunami of, um, of, uh, of, of momentum we had over the previous seven, eight years and um, throw a, you know, a bunch of cash at it and, and uh, really mainstream leverage the, the uh, sales and distribution network we had and, and really mainstream it. And instead I just uh, said, screw it and retired to Amsterdam. <laughs> Good for you. Well, I hope yeah, you're I mean, it. Ultimately, it was better for me, but but sure. uh, the, the the industry took a big hit from that, and it took sure. uh, twelve years for Canadian hemp to recover to the same levels that it was before that, and took another uh, what another after two thousand four another eight fourteen years for it to become legal nationally. Um, so uh, today, I just do the Richard Rose report at the Richard Rose report.com and and uh, I write uh, what interests me I put a lot of uh, downloads uh, tools I use to manage a, a fast-growing Inc 500 business for years um, things I developed uh, a lot on hemp seed business on the, the economics of shelling hemp seed and and uh, my books are on there the, the hemp nut uh, cookbook and the Hemp Nut Health and Cookbook uh, are both, all this is free for download for anybody. And mm-hmm. uh, it's about, mm, it's about 60 free files you can download. And uh, most of them are original. Uh, there's uh, Canada Search Daily where it has uh, breaking news on CBD and hemp every day from uh, um, studies to patents to uh, legal developments and, and things like that. And um, articles, there's about 170 articles I wrote about different aspects of, uh, of the hemp and cannabis industry. I, I also work on policy, like writing about the Moore Act that just passed uh, uh, Congress back in uh, December, things like that. Awesome. So you shared your bio with me with a lot of those links. Can I add that to this video? Are you okay? Yeah. And that way people have it. They'll be able to see where to find all that info. I'll, I'll share it. So there'll be a link in this video for them to click on or for everybody to click on. Yeah, that'd um, be great. You've got a lot of history and June is hemp history month, which was pretty exciting for me. So can you give me a little bit of history or what, what are some things that people may not know that they maybe should be paying attention to and should know? Yeah. You know, hemp has been in America longer than America has been America. <laughs> hemp was brought over in the, the 17th century uh, for James to Jamestown. It was a it was pretty common for um, sailing expeditions to carry hemp seed 
with them uh, in case they needed either a food source or they needed to grow more food or fiber. Say they get stranded somewhere and they, they need to grow, make more ropes or, or whatever. And, and so uh, consequently, it ended up in Jamestown around 1610. Uh, and um, even back then, it was mandated uh, for people to grow it in, in the new, new colonies. And you could pay your taxes in hemp fiber. So, uh, you know, uh, patent medicines, uh, CBD, uh, other cannabinoid medicines have been, uh, cannabinoid medicines made by today's drug companies dispensed by pharmacists uh, that are highly e efficacious and, and popular have been on the shelves in America since around 1830. So uh, we've had cannabinoids and CBD and THC on the shelf. Uh, for a very long time, 100 years longer, almost 100 years older than uh, FDA even is. So um, it, the, America's history with, with hemp is, is, is really considerable. The USDA uh, even did research and, and had a Dr. Dewey, Leicester Dewey, uh, um, uh, educating farmers and, and helping uh, expand the, uh, the hemp fiber industry, especially for leading up to Second World War when mm -hmm. USDA produced a film called Hemp for Victory, mm -hmm. about 15 minutes long, uh, to convince farmers to start growing hemp for the, the war effort because the supplies from Asia were cut off. Mm -hmm. So tell me now, people ask me all the time, well, you know, if it's so great, why aren't we all using it? What's happening? You know, where do you see things really moving and what's, you know, there are so many things now that I feel like I preach over and over again. It's nice hearing it from somebody else as to, um, you know, where are we headed? What are the real opportunities ahead of us? It's not easy to start a new industry. I mean, I, I was involved in the vegan food industry since 1980 and then in the hemp seed food industry, hemp industry since 1994. And, and um, it, it, it's not easy to create a new industry from scratch, uh, which is essentially what we're having to do now in the US with hemp. And um, it's, it's a really difficult juggling act to uh, balance um, production in terms of acres and, and farmers and, and farms and all the equipment they need and, and get the right genetics for them for the, the, the end, end use, whatever that customer is gonna want uh, in terms of the specifications of the material, balance that with, um, with regulatory issues, uh, you know, 0.3% THC, um, and then problems from just local sheriffs not liking it or understanding it. Um, you know, we're going to need a, a Fortune 100, Fortune 500 uh, customer to step up and, and, sure. and say, yeah, we, we can really use this. We're willing to pay this amount. This is the specs for it. We'll help you get started. We believe in this. And, and, um, and then combine that with agronomists who are knowledgeable in hemp and, uh, and a processing mm -hmm. facility, it's gonna to, to make, and most of seed processing is gonna be at least $5 million for a, a processing plant. And mm -hmm. for textiles, it could be easily well over 20 million. So um, 
it's, you know, chicken or egg, which comes first. Um, you know, the people think they just grow it and there'll be a customer and that's not how it's going to work. It's going to take a, a, a kind of a gestalt approach to the whole thing. And, and, uh, um, from a bunch of different stakeholders, uh, including people that right now aren't using hemp, like um, Dow Chemical Say or 3M or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, a, you know, that's something we say often is you almost work backwards. It's not grow it and then they will yeah. buy it, right? We actually, right. we need to understand what we're growing way before we put it in the ground and what we're growing it for. Um, that's been yes. something interesting too, comparing it to other industries. You know, when I get investors that come in, it's it's a, a difficult conversation, right? I have a hard time explaining that this isn't a get rich quick scheme. <laughs> this yeah. is a, it's going to be a large capital investment to grow. We talk about development, like for the um, for those large companies, right? You know, what is it you think they need to hear before they're going to say, okay, we're going to come in and we're willing to, to put the capital in, or we're willing to, like you said, invest to create the infrastructure so that it's cost-effective so they can buy it or will buy it. Yeah, you're right. We have to start at the end and work to the, to the beginning. Um, it, it, it's going to take, there, there's going to be a, a specific technical use of the fiber um, that will drive drive it. And uh, so let's say it might be uh, an automobile um, sound deadening panel for cars. Um, their cars have a, a, a mandate to have 5% of the, the car be uh, bio-based sources. So this is a real real easy this has been going on for over two decades in in canada they've been they they get the fiber they pulp it and they make they form these uh these panels that can then have be used inside cars or in the the headliner for uh for sound deadening so if you take just one technical industrial product like that and find uh, the company that's willing to give you a purchase order for uh, a bunch of them. And, uh, and then you work back and figure out what your infrastructure is gonna be. You can take that to an investor and say, look, uh, Ford has, has given me a purchase order for, you know, for 500 tons of these panels. So uh, to make that, it's gonna take this kind of infrastructure and this number of acres of this specific variety of genetics. And, uh, this is how we're going to harvest it and, and process it to make this product for them. In that kind of environment, you're a lot likely, more likely to get a, uh, an investor to step up and, and, um, and help. It's going to take, it's going to be expensive. It's, it's not, and because of that, it might take a, a public-private uh, partnership, maybe uh, get grants from, from the, the state or you know, federal, even USDA. And, and um, it, it's going to be a mix of altruism and greed to get there. And um, uh, hopefully more altruism and less greed, but uh, it's going to take somebody to say, oh, geez, I can make 60% return if I invest in this. Uh, and it's going to take people like, uh, like say the Ford in this example to, um, to, uh, 
be a little altruistic and, and kick down a purchase order when they maybe didn't need to. And all this talk about fiber, wherever there's fiber, typically there's seed and wherever there's seed, there's fiber. So it's really a hand in hand. So even if we were to talk about all the ways of getting it to, to, to uh, seed to make food, we're still gonna have to deal with the biggest byproduct, which is fiber. And if we're talking about fiber in these, these, uh, these scenarios, the biggest byproduct is gonna be seed typically. So um, they really go hand in hand. So if you're doing just seed for food, you're gonna still have to deal with the fiber and come up with a way of utilizing that fiber to get another income stream, but also just because it's an enormous amount of, you know, you're a hundred times more uh, bulk uh, is being left on the field when you harvest for seed than you're, you're pulling off in the form of seed. So it, it's, it, it's that kind of, uh, it's like juggling six balls on a unicycle during the wind while it's windy kind of, uh, scenario that you really need to address and, and think through and figure out how, how to uh, how, how to do it. It's just that difficult. Okay, so I get asked all the time, you threw out, you know, 60% revenue or, or talk to me about revenue opportunities. You know, investors, when I'm trying to bridge this gap and bring our, you know, forward thinking engineers and um, visionary, you know, visionaryists, I guess, <laughs> an opportunity to be funded. And when we're talking to investors and investors are saying, okay, we're ready to jump in. Most of them are coming to me saying, okay, we want to invest in CBD. It's what they know. It's what they, what they hear. And it's where the fast money was, right? Um, was, <laughs> let me put that out there, was. <laughs> it's, but um the question I'm always asked is, well, what's the opportunity? Where's the revenue? You know, where do we put our capital and what's there? Can you talk to me about numbers and why, why yeah, does the investor do this? Yeah, it, um, so we, it turns out we did the industry a great disservice by pointing out they could make as much as $300,000 an acre with CBD. Um, you know, I started the Medicinal Hemp Association in 2014, and, and um, by, I was asked by the three largest CBD companies at the time to do that and to advocate for CBD. And part of that, when I did that, was, was a, an analysis of, of um, the economics of it and returns. And uh, it, it spoiled investors, and it, it distorted the, the true picture of... Of, of it all so um it there there's there's returns to be made uh it's not going to be from like in cbd where you grow 10 acres and and you can get a big hit it's going to be uh long low and steady it's going to be uh looking at it as a as a 10 10 year project not a one year project it's going to be um uh, you know, thousands of acres, not dozens of acres. It's going to be a, it's going to be a big project to do it right and get the returns. Now, once, once that, that system is, is in place, the returns will come every year. Uh, and, um, you know, they're, they're going to be safe returns. They're not going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, like CBD where people are afraid of, of selling it because of FDA or whatever. So it's going to be much, much more solid uh, 
safer investment over time, but you're not going to see, you know, crazy returns like you might have with C CBD and cannabinoids, THC, even in, in the marijuana side. So um, it, but, it, and it can't be approached that way where you're wanting big returns really fast. It has to be viewed as a, you know, building an industry where this is like the car industry in 1917 or something, you know, it's, you can't expect it to be how the car industry is in, in 2020. So um, it's going to, that's where, again, the altruism comes in. It takes uh, an investor who, who sees this and wants to make it happen uh, and, a, you know, do it right instead of just get some fast return. Yeah, well, and that's exactly it. Well, I had a big investment group yesterday or not yesterday, last week, I guess, say, you know, it sounds like there's opportunity, but no investor wants to come in and pave the way for the next guy to come in and make all the money. And I was like, crap. Okay, well, you know, this is a hurdle, a reality for the investment on the capital side. Yeah, it's an, it's an issue. I mean, I, I spent two and a half million dollars that I walked away from right, when I retired to, to get you know, so that others could make millions in, in, off of it. And um, today it's, it's the hemp's first billion dollar industry, uh, uh, hemp seed for food, um, but, you know. So it, the way that you're gonna deal with that is through um, getting ahead of everybody and doing it right when everybody else is doing it wrong. And um, it, it have, have, patents and tech, proprietary tech, and uh, maybe breed a new cultivar that, that is the perfect one for you. And, and developing intellectual property like that is, is the trick, but also just, just being so far ahead of everybody that they, they can't really catch up uh, is part of it as well. Um, you know, doing execution, executing well is going to uh, differentiate you from the others. Um, but it, if you don't have any IP, it's, it is gonna, it's gonna be hard. I mean, most of these people doing CO2 extracts of CBD really didn't have anything to write home about. They were just doing the same old thing that everybody else was doing. And, and in that context, that's, you know, that's much more dangerous for an investor because there is nothing there. It's just, and in fact, some are gonna argue that you're infringing on their patent just by doing basic CO2 extraction. So um, it, 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 and you know, if there's a lot to be said for, for developing a fiber industry and there's a lot to be said for developing a, a new food, a very nutritious seed in, industry as well. And, and they can go hand in hand and make them both stronger than they would be uh, and bigger than they would be individually. Well, okay, so let's talk about future of this industry, right? Because I think that um, I've said for a while, we in the United States really missed our shot when we went after CBD and not grain, <laughs> fiber, mm -hmm. grain, yeah. seed market, right? And so yeah. I'm kind of curious from you, what are your, you know, what, where do you see opportunity? Where does it lie, both in fiber and in, you know, I, I guess the whole market. And then I'm curious about fiber specifically where you think product, you know, end product or opportunity is specifically around that. 
Well, you're, you're seeing a lot of great fiber products being rolled out now. Hempwood, for instance. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it's going to you know, stand up to uh, over time, to use over time and, and get certified and the like. But uh, things like that, um, uh, animal bedding, um, textiles are, are going to be tougher. I think the future is um, in uh, intellectual property. Uh, China is has long been the biggest producer of hemp, and they are to this day. Uh, they grow more than everybody else put together. So, um, if it's just basic uh, fiber products, such as say animal bedding, that doesn't really have any uh, intellectual property to it, uh, China's going to own that. I think they're going to own the CBD market in a couple of years, just because. Um, they, they work, they, 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 the government works hand in hand with, with industry there. And if they decide they want to own a market, they're going to own it. They're already the, the biggest supplier of uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients, APIs. And, um, the, they've, they've made it their mission to, to do well in hemp and, uh, um, they're, I think they're going to be way ahead of us. They're way ahead of us. And I think you're going to see CBD, you know, cheaper, sold cheaper than Americans can make it. So yeah. I think they're going to own that. Uh, and, um, and then on the fiber, sort of the low end fiber stuff, they're going to, they're going to uh, do well there. So to the degree, if you, you can have fiber products that are uh, branded well and, and uh, have intellectual property behind them, patents or whatever, um, you're going to have a fighting chance with them. Um, you know, hempcrete maybe, but hempcrete doesn't really even need hemp. It can be done with canaf or rice, uh, waste, you know, ag waste. So, um, it doesn't even necessarily need uh, virgin hemp grown just for, for hempcrete to, uh, right. to work. So I, I'm not even convinced. I think it's a, it's a, it's a quaint notion and it's sexy and, and it, it triggers the, the mind for, for a lot of people. But um, I mean, they're making houses in Italy out of rice ag waste. Uh, you know, a third of rice production is, is waste. So um, I uh, see uh, to the degree we can do things like fractionate the protein and, and uh, we can make, uh, you know, vegan egg replacement and, uh, and functional proteins for meat alternatives and the like that that industry is just exploding right now um and uh hemp and, has a has a has a, a a role to play there too well in reality is and this is when i say i think we really missed our shot right is our population is not slowing down <laughs> our acreage is decreasing our beef industry is dying our subsidies are struggling right and i think that this is where real opportunity you know presents itself for us to say we can feed our people now. And now we're not Robin Peter to pay Paul when we talk about our acreage. You know, um, we'll talk to me a little bit more about like, how do we develop this? And what does the industry need, I guess, now where you've done all of this work, where can an association or organizations or people that are interested really pick up and take advantage of this opportunity zone? <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, the Americans, uh, ethos of rugged individualism is not going to serve us well in this. 
Um, we need to work together. Uh, we need to form co-ops. Uh, so, um, you know, to share uh, planting and harvesting equipment, to share agronomists, to um, share genetics, to uh, share processing. Um, and then the, the co-op needs to own the processing because what's happening now is that uh, the farmers are getting paid as little as 10 cents a pound for seed. And uh, instead of the 70 cents they were promised and the processors are, are making huge margins. So um, if we can form co-ops and if we can own the, the, uh, the, the equipment and share it together and own the processing and then sell a, a, a branded uh, uh, value added uh, product, um, you know, whether it's shelled seed in little packages or, uh, or uh, to in, in industrial like Victory Hemp does. Um, that's the way it's gonna have to move forward. The same on the fiber side, band together. Uh, you, you don't all each need your own harvester uh, combine and, and you know, drill, you know, seed drill and, and the like. And, and um, you can share that stuff and, and, and own the, uh, the the processing and uh, adding value and, and uh, do more than just sell raw, uh, low value uh, okay. items, but it's gonna take co-op. It's gonna take banding together to, uh, to make this happen. Richard, I have been like, all weekend. <laughs> One, I watched a TikTok this weekend that made fun of entrepreneurs saying like, there's five things entrepreneurs prove that as an entrepreneur, you can't do these. And on number three, it was like, you can't make it through a shower without having to write down something or, you know, lay down in bed to have to get up and write down or take notes or something like that. And I was like, oh, so all weekend, all I've been thinking about is this co-op and how I believe and have said for the last year that the industry needs a co-op. No. Yes. <laughs> See, <laughs> That's I, have, like. I, I have well over a thousand of these laying around here. That's awesome. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my daughter has to go go to the doctor's I, office <laughs> I, have, I have dozens of notebooks oh, that's awesome yeah I got no, a remarkable I, that's digital like a digital notebook so that it would transcribe into text because yeah. I have a heck of a time going back and trying to find out where where was that note I remember it was in blue ink but which which one <laughs> The organization is important. Um, yeah, it's going to take that that dude, that, that woman, that that an entrepreneur like that. I mean, I I did it. I mean, I started doing business when I was uh, well back like 1971 or so, 72 maybe, uh, selling everybody's favorite flowers uh, up in uh, Sonoma County and Napa County. So um, it it it's going to take that kind of entrepreneurial spirit to 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 drive this also uh it's that's that's a critical function in something like this somebody's just nine to five and just mailing it in as an executive it's just not going to work you need somebody who wakes up with a burning burning desire in their gut yeah. to to do this and uh, every <laughs> single day and does it day in and day out uh for hours and hours it's going to take that person mm -hmm. Yeah, I call it cursed. It's either stupidity or determination. I'm not sure. If it's, yeah. No, I, it, but I'll tell you, I've never been in an industry or sat in so many meetings with so many passionate people. 
you know, and, and hemp touches so many aspects. It's not just, you know, the banking or the tech or the, you know, the food or the people or the medicine. It's the housing, the building, the plastics, the biofuels, all of it. It draws out people that are wanting to really change the world, right? Yeah. Um, how familiar are you with like the carbon sequestering that's happening with hemp or this discussion that's really coming up around carbon sequestering and yeah. the credits that are available for farmers? Right. Yeah, it definitely has a role to play there, um, but it depends. So, you know, back to the, you know, comparing CBD to fiber, uh, CBD grown six feet apart with plastic mulch that uses CO2 to do the extraction is not really um, going to be part of that equation. It's using far more uh, CO2 than it's sequestering, but hempcrete uh, it, it will sequester the, the CO2. And in fact, uh, it'll sequester it for, you know, a very long time. Uh, in the walls of the building or in the stucco on the building or whatever. So it has a, a role to play, um, you know, back, back to the, the passionate entrepreneurs, we need to balance the passion with realism. And uh, everybody's saying hemp will save the world and, um, but not anything past that, not getting past, you know, like the first step, well, how, how do we save the world okay. with hemp? You know, right. we, we need we, we need the passion. That passion is good for sort of kickstarting it. But uh, from that, we really need to move on and move to solutions, practical solutions uh, for accomplishing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's kind of where I'm curious about the carbon, you know, discussion is there's a lot, I understand there's a lot of factors. You know, I understand we're going from a horticulture crop to more agriculture, row crop, right? How is it harvested? Are you tilling it or no-till? No um, you know, I know that that plays a huge role and I want to figure it out because if it provides more of an opportunity for revenue, what I'm seeing is like corn right now is $7 a bushel. It's never been that high or hasn't been that mm -hmm. high in years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So now why would somebody grow hemp Right. And so I'm looking for a way to offset that revenue or is there a way? And I'm curious, will people be coming in and buying the credits or the carbon credits off of acreage similar to they do like they do water rights or mm -hmm. mineral rights? Um, and I'd like to avoid that. And I think a, a co-op can help that. Right. But I think if when we talk about sharing that value chain from the process or from the I guess, seed all the way to the end product. I think that is a, a huge piece that I'd like to explore. Well, I, I think that the carbon credits will become part of the equation. I, I not, you know, we, it needs to be looked at as its own entity though, and not uh, doing it just because of credits, because then you're doing, oh, yes, it, I agree. doing it for the wrong reason. And, and um, you're not really going to, care so much about building a, a long-lasting, uh, larger industry. Um, you know, if you look at the sustainable development goals that the UN and, and others have, have, uh, have um, uh, offered, it's, it really fits into most of them, you know, from food security to uh, right livelihood to uh, keeping young people on the farm, 
to uh, to um, you know increasing uh, farm revenue and and things like that and um, kids leaving the, the, the children leaving the farm moving to the city and college and the like is is become a huge problem. There's a lot of villages in Italy and and um, Spain and in France where they're dying. And, uh, you know, there's the, the average age is, is like, you know, 60 and, and all the kids have left and nobody wants to farm anymore. And, right. Right. And, and, and we need something. Now, the thing that's going to get them back on the farm might be hemp, yep. uh, cannabis in its various forms, because uh, they like it. Uh, it's sexy. It's fun. Um, it's it fun to grow. To sense. It has to make sense financially. Right. And that's what has to make sense financially. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're, they're willing to, to farm low value crops like tomatoes and eggplants and and, and artichoke and the like. So they also have a different uh, mentality as to what the returns need to be and and the like. So, um, you know, it, it'll, it, it's grown, you know, Italy has been growing it for tens of thousands of years. Uh, the oldest artifact, hemp fiber artifact in Southern Europe is, uh, was right outside Rome, 11,500 years old. So uh, there's a long tradition here. There's a long tradition in, in Spain as well. They had to, to grow for, uh, to make ropes and fiber uh, for sales, for canvas, for, uh, for their uh, explorations, uh, Portugal as well. Cool. Okay. Well, we only have a couple of more minutes and I'm curious about just a few more facts. As you learn and grow in your database or your, I mean, I can't imagine how many books you've read and how much knowledge you have. Um, But tell me a little bit, tell me a few more facts about hemp or things that really, you know, were aha moments for you. Well, the first, uh, some of the first patents about a hundred years ago uh, uh, using hemp seed, it was hemp seed to make um, uh, filaments and films. So to make uh, string and, um, and uh, films like cellophane packaging and the like, th- that, th- those used hemp seed. Uh, root, uh, the first diesel engines used hemp seed oil and um, Often uh, uh, the lamps for, for lighting uh, interior spaces to, for thousands of years have been hemp seed oil as well. Um, uh, the, the, a family was uh, lost for 40 years uh, off the grid, off civilization. No one, they never had, they had no contact with anyone for 40 years. And they survived by growing and eating hemp seed and, and uh uh, making clothes and ropes and things with fiber, uh, repairing their roof and, and, and the like. How um, does that happen? How does somebody get lost like that for that long? Siberia. Wow. <laughs> Some family and, you know, maybe, you know, that was Soviet era. So maybe they sure. were, you know, for political reasons, maybe they were, maybe it was a gulag or, sure. or something. It was that or the gulag. So they just escaped and, uh, um, uh, also, hemp seed is one third albumin, which is the, uh, the the protein in egg, and uh, and the other two thirds is edistin, which is a, a protein unique to hemp seed, and only maybe one or two other uh, 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 grains. 
Hmm. Okay. See, this stuff fascinates me. I just, I could sit. Uh, and, another I'm, thing is hemp seed is three times older as a food in China than soybean and twice as old as rice as a food in Japan. Oh, wow. So what's your favorite meal? How do you enjoy hemp the most? I, I, uh, I, I think just as, I mean, at this point, I just sprinkle it on stuff when I use it. Um, I'll, right. I'll, I might dry roast it depending on the dish. Um, you don't run a heat hemp seed oil. So I don't, I don't use it for heating. I use, uh, uh, oils that are better for that. And, um, uh, dry roasting is really great because you make like a gamasio and it's crunchy, but it, uh, if you add some spices, it'll actually absorb right into the, the kernel itself, into the fruit and, um, like curry or whatever. So that's, that's probably my favorite way to use it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to spend time reading your cookbooks. <laughs> I'm really interested in them. And I've, yeah, had lots of discussions now in how to incorporate it. I sprinkle it in my smoothies and on my salads and yogurts. I eat it all the time, but um, I'm fairly new. I'm fairly new to, yeah, exploring and how to find it and where. Okay. So one last piece of advice to someone new to the industry like me, what kind of advice would you give me? wanting to really make change and impact and provide solutions. What, yeah, what kind of advice would you give? Um, I, I presume you have some skill that you learned um, from previous occupations and in, in, in your career. I think the best thing to do is to leverage that in, in terms of hemp and um, you know, even if you're a, a CPA, you could, you could enter the industry and, and help, uh, help, um, companies like figure out cost of goods or financial planning or forecasting or business plans. Um, even if you don't particularly like dealing with people and don't like people, you could still be a breeder and just yeah. deal with people all day, you yeah. know, never, never get involved with any, anybody or any, you know, just, I mean, it, it, it is so wide open um, that I, there are, you know, even security people, uh, ex-soldiers or ex-cops, there's, there's a need for security in a lot of these fields. Um, there's a place there for you as well. A, a chemistry major could be in, do extractions. Uh, yeah. You know, Engineers, there, there's, there, architects, design, anything. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it, pivot from what you know best and bring that to the industry and, um, and uh, leverage your knowledge and your passion to, to make that uh, pay off for you in this industry. Excellent advice. I love it. That's exactly, I've been in uh, events and hosting B2B events to, you know, generate leads basically and sales for both on membership base and for, companies, other companies would pay me a retainer or I would help them generate leads. So when I transitioned into this industry, that's exactly where I fell. I just realized that there was such a need for a place for people to come together and connect and be connected to different supply chain. And um, I've really gone after markets outside of the hemp industry for that reason to try to bridge the gap because I feel like hemp is one of those that will be in like technology. 
it'll be in every part of the of what we see and do and it's just a matter of how long so yeah anyways well i really really appreciate your time i feel lucky to have you and you spend your time with me thank you very much my pleasure nice to talk to you and uh yes. anybody has a question just come see the richard rose report and hit the uh contact and, and fire away and do my best to answer it Absolutely. Then if anybody else has questions or would like to connect with Richard, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I can help make connections as well. And Richard, thank you very, very much for your time. See you later. My pleasure. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks Bye now. Goodbye.